you. So um, our first reading uh, is from Luke 12, which is on page 1045 in the Bibles. 1045, Luke 12, reading from verse 35. Uh, Verse 35. Be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning, like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will dress himself to serve. He will make them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the middle of the night or towards daybreak. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have also let his house be broken into. You must also be ready, for the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. The second reading is uh, Revelation chapter 16. It's on page 1244. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go, pour out the seven bowls of God's wrath on earth. The first angel went and poured out his bowl on the land, and ugly festering sores broke out on the people who had the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. The second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it turned into blood like that of a dead person, and every living thing in the sea died. The third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. Then I heard the angel in charge of the waters say, You are just in these judgments, O Holy One. You are, you who are and who were, for they have shed the blood of your holy people and your prophets, and you have given them blood to drink as they deserve. And I heard the altar respond, Yes, Lord God Almighty, true and just are your judgments. The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and the sun was allowed to scorch people with fire. They were seared by the intense heat, and they cursed the name of God, who had control over these plagues. But they refused to repent and glorify him. The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and its kingdom was plunged into darkness. People gnawed their tongues in agony and cursed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, but they refused to repent of what they had done. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings from the east. Then I saw three impure spirits that looked like frogs. They came out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. They are demonic spirits that perform signs, and they go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them for battle on the great day of God Almighty. Look, I come like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake and remains clothed, so as not to go naked and be shamefully exposed. Then they gathered the kings together to the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, 
and out of the temple came a loud voice from the throne saying, It is done. Then there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder and a severe earthquake. No earthquake like it has occurred since mankind has been on earth. So tremendous was the quake. The great city split into three parts and the cities of the nations collapsed. God remembered Babylon the great and gave her the cup filled with the wine of the fury of his wrath. Every island fled away and the mountains could not be found. From the sky, huge hailstones, each weighing about 40 kilograms, fell on people and they cursed God on account of the plague of hail because, of the, because the plague was so terrible. Uh, let me pray for us. Uh, Father, uh, these, uh, these words from our reading today, are, are, uh, they're, they're hard words for us to hear and yet uh, necessary. Thank you that we are uh, warned by the Lord Jesus Christ to take these words to heart. Uh, we pray that we would be a people uh, who are not just uh, fleeing from the judgment that is to come, uh, but fleeing to Christ, that in him we might have our eternal security and life. For we ask this in your name. Amen. Well, it's not the end of the world, is it? You know, Buxton's defeat yesterday to the city of Liverpool, knocked out of the FA Trophy, not the end of the world. It's disappointing, I know, for Buxton fans here. Uh, but, yeah, you know, life goes on. Now, I say that as a, you know, not as a Buxton fan, you'll know that. But, um, but of course, you know, that, that phrase that we often use, but we often use it without thinking about it, it it's not the end of the world. See, that phrase only works if you think that the end of the world is the worst thing that can happen. But as Christians, do we believe that to be true? It's not how Revelation presents it. Revelation presents the end of the world uh, not as the worst thing that can happen, but actually as a great day, one that we should be looking forward to. It is, for the Christian, a day of joy a day of praise, a day of thankfulness, a day of celebration. A wonderful day for those who love justice. A wonderful day for those who delight in the holiness and the love of God. Uh, chapter 16 uh, describes uh, the judgment of God and it is uncomfortable for us to hear, isn't it? In chapter 16, we come to the end uh, of uh, the the fourth cycle that's happened in Revelation. Uh, If you could pop it up on the screen. It's also on the the, the handout. uh, These are the little pictures I've been using. Um, I thought it would be helpful for you to be able to uh, see them in one place, so I've printed them off for you. Uh, And you'll see uh, there that there's these four cycles uh, of sevens that we've been looking at over uh, the last few weeks. These are parallel visions, uh, the seven seals, that's that's here, uh, the the famous four horsemen of the apocalypse, then followed by uh, the seven trumpets, that's the next picture, again it's on your handout, you don't have to make a note of it all, Um, and then the Uh, Seven visions that we looked at last week at a fair pace, um, and today, uh, the seven bowls uh, of punishment. 
They follow the same pattern. Uh, and uh, as we've been going through this, we, we are, we, we're seeing that, uh, that, that God is completing his purposes, his good will to bring about uh, uh, his people to himself uh, in his glory. And in today, in the seven bowls uh, of punishment, uh, this final parallel series, we're going to see uh, how God uh, is going to bring about the end of the world uh, to its perfect conclusion. Uh, these bowls, uh, we went from beasts last week to bowls this week. Uh, bowls are introduced in chapter 15, verse 1, where we read that I saw in heaven another great and marvelous sign, seven angels with the seven last plagues. Last because with them God's wrath is completed. So this is the last of a series of seven uh, pictures that show us what God is doing in the world and what is to come. These uh, last seven, uh, this last group of seven, uh, are last because they complete this series of overlapping images. And we're told that God will bring to completion his judgment. Now this is uh, good news for us if we're a Christian. This is great news. Why? Because... There will be victory. Victory over Satan, over the beast, that is, those who are in power, who have set themselves up in opposition against God uh, and against his people, and we're told that they will be finally and fully defeated. And that is great news in a world that is being torn apart by evil. It is good news. It is a great victory. Uh, one to which we can celebrate. What a great God we have. So verse 3, uh, in the light of this, uh, there's a song, a song of Moses and of the Lamb. And we're told they sang, great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, King of the nations. Who will not fear you, Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you for your righteous acts have been revealed. And the great thing for us as we read this is this. We live now in the presence between uh, the, 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 the cross, the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus, and then his return. It's what the Bible calls the last days. And in between the, the, these two comings of the Lord Jesus, we live. And we are in the presence given the extraordinary privilege the extraordinary privilege of knowing the outcome, the future, so that we can live in the present in the light of that. And knowing the outcome changes the experience in the present. And therefore, as Christians, as we face suffering, evil, injustice, pain, sorrow, death, in, in, in the world where we face these things day by day, uh, we're given this revelation so that not just that we would cope through it. No, that we would persevere with confidence, courage, and joy. Because we have a victory song that we can be singing now. Praise God, great and marvelous are your deeds Lord God Almighty. As we turn to these seven bowls, uh, the first thing I want us to see uh, from the first four bowls uh, is that 
Uh, simply this, God will do what he says he will do. God will do what he says he will do. Judgment will come. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, uh, chapter uh, 16 uh, brings us back to uh, the command that these angels, uh, they're in the temple, uh, in, in heaven verse, uh, chapter 15, verse 5 and following, uh, the command for them to go out. And so we're told, verse, chapter 16, verse 1, go, pour out the seven bowls of God's wrath on the earth. Now, uh, it's important to just reiterate what we mean by when we're talking about God's wrath. I realize that it is um, uh, unsettling for, for some, and uh, I don't want to ignore that. It, it means this. It means God's settled hostility at sin and evil. God's settled hostility at sin and evil. And therefore, it looks really quite different to how I might react to seeing sin or evil. I, I flare up, and I think, that's just wrong, and I'm angry about that. No, uh, God has a settled hostility that comes out of him both being holy and loving. Because God is holy and because God loves, he is opposed to all that is evil. And that flows out of his perfect justice and righteousness. Because God loves the world, because he's righteous and he upholds justice in the universe, Therefore, God must, he must judge sin. If he did not, he would not be just. If he overlooked sin, uh, God wouldn't care about it and therefore wouldn't be loving or just. See, it is necessary. In fact, if we imagine a a world where God simply doesn't care, he isn't just, and it is a terrible world to live in, actually, But that brings us round to the reality that God is just, he is loving, he's righteous, and he will do what is good and right. Judgment will come. And therefore, for a Christian, that is both a sober reality, but it is a cause for joy for the Christian. Why? Because God's victory will be fully realized Justice will be demonstrated, and the enemies of of God, all that oppose him, will be defeated, and we're to rejoice in that. At the moment, God's wrath is not fully revealed. But one day, the great day of the Lord, it will be. It will be fully expressed. Uh, Romans uh, 1 verse 18, we're told that the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the ungodliness and wickedness of people. And so what we're seeing in chapter 16 here is, is as the, the, the command to, to go out to, to pour out these bowls of God's wrath on the earth, what we're seeing is God revealing uh, his judgment in the world that will be fully expressed on the last day. Uh, what God demonstrates uh, in the past, in the present, he will do in the future. God will do what he says he will do. Judgment will come. Now, as we look at these seven bowls, remember, we've got to remember, this isn't literal language. Keep keep reminding ourselves of this. 
Uh, but we also need to see that, that, that this, uh, these seven bowls closely follow the same pattern that we had uh, in the seven trumpets back in chapter 8. So in the middle of the handout, um, we, we had fun playing around with this, we tried to put them next to each other so you can see them side by side. Now as we, as we read the, these things, we see that uh, the first four bowls uh, will affect the physical environment in which people live. Uh, let me read from verse 2. The first angel went and poured out his bowl on the land, and ugly festering sores broke out on the people who had the mark of the beast and worshipped the image. The second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it turned to blood like that of a dead person, and every living thing in the sea died. The third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and the springs of water, and they became blood. Now, again, this is language. We compare it back to chapter 8, and there, where the trumpets announced the judgment of God, the warning of God, it was on the land, the sea, the rivers and the springs, and then the sun, moon, and the stars. And when we get to chapter 16, we find what? The, well, it's against the land, the sea, the rivers and the springs, and the sun. There's a parallel between them. And as we read these signs, we're meant to immediately be remembering that these sound awfully like the plagues of Egypt. You know, hence the rivers of blood, the frogs, sores, darkness, all this language is meant to kind of draw that parallel. Uh, and therefore, as we reminded that as God judged Egypt, uh, so God judges the world. We see that clearly uh, when uh, God judged uh, the northern kingdom of Samaria under the Samaritans, and again, uh, Jerusalem under the Babylonians. Uh, God's judgment is being revealed. And these uh, expressions of God's judgment in the world remind us that, that one day it will be fully realized. So when you read the bowls, you see a distinction uh, between that and the trumpets. What's the difference? Well, there's, there's a, uh, a, a, an increased intensity, a, a fullness that comes with these bowls. Now, the judgments uh, are uh, announced. Why? So that humanity might repent. But we're not to be deluded. Just as Pharaoh hardened his heart against the plagues in, in Moses' day, so again we were told that, uh, yes, the judgment of God announced in the trumpets will fall, and it will be rejected by those who are stubbornly and persistently not repenting. And on that day, verse 5, no one will be able to say, God's not fair. I don't deserve this. Now, God's judgment is always just. Verse 5, I heard an angel in charge of the waters say, you, you are just in these judgments, O Holy One. Uh, you who are and who were, for they have shed the blood of your holy people and your prophets, and you have given them blood to drink as they deserve. And I heard the altar respond, yes, Lord God Almighty, true and just are your judgments. Remember, back in, in, uh, in the Exodus story, uh, the Israelites threw the, 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 Israelite, the Hebrew baby boys into the Nile. They were killed. And the first plague falls. The river of blood comes upon them. It's turned to blood. It's, it's a judgment over them, uh, over their gods, uh, over their actions. 
Uh, God will not delay his final judgment forever. And when it comes, verse 7, it will be true and just. But look, verse, verse 8. The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun and, and the sun was allowed to scorch people with fire. They seared by the intense heat and they cursed the name of God who had control over these plagues. But they refused to repent and glorify him. You see, uh, yes, don't be surprised by the judgment in this world uh, will lead to hard hearts. Even to the last day. God will judge the world just as he's promised. And the question is, do we believe that? Uh, 2 Peter 3, Peter writes, Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come. Those who deny judgment of God and the last judgments. And when you deny that, then of course it doesn't really matter how you live in this world, does it? Because there isn't an accounting. So I can live as I please. It is a terrible place to be in before the holy God. But people will deny judgment from in the church and from in the world. I, uh, when I was in my final year at theological college, I was visited by my Dyson director who oversaw training for ministry and those who were in their first placement in, in, in parishes. Uh, he came all the way down to London and I was quite taken aback by that and you know, I kind of made him, made him some lunch and we, we sat down and the first thing he said was, well, my name's Michael, uh, I'm a universalist, just to avoid confusion. Now, a universalist is someone uh, who mistakenly believes that God will show mercy to all people through all time and spare all people, therefore, from punishment and bring them to uh, his eternal rest. Now, I was left somewhat speechless by that because I wasn't expecting it. I you know, it's like being Alcoholics Anonymous or something, but theological, uh, theologians anonymous. Um, but of course, that sort of view is alive in the church because we are uncomfortable in today's culture with the wrath of God. And we need to see that actually it's tempting for us to live as though judgment won't come. But we need to hear the words of Jesus, don't we? The Son of Man will come, he will come, and when we deny the judgment to come, we are making Jesus either misguided or a liar. Well, in the light of that, what are we to do? Well, secondly, we are to keep awake. Uh, the only escape is in Christ. Uh, verses 10 to 21. Uh, verse 10, the fifth bowl is introduced to us. That the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast and its kingdom was plunged into darkness. And again, we saw last week in the seven visions that the beast, that is the first beast, represents authority that opposes God. Kingdoms that view themselves as God, uh, as opposed to the kingdom of God. And once again, we're told, verse 11, that this judgment doesn't bring about repentance. There in verse 11. But then comes the sixth bowl, verse 12. This one leads to Armageddon. Uh, verse 12, the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates and its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings from the east. 
And of course, in the Old Testament, it was from the east that enemies came to attack God's people in Israel, you know, from Assyria and Babylon. And so the kings from the east here represent the enemies of God and his people. But they're not the only ones who are then gathered, verse 13, because in the vision he saw three impure spirits that looked like frogs. They came out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and the mouth of the false prophet. Uh, the false prophet here uh, is the second beast of Revelation 13. In, in, uh, that was the third vision we saw in the seven visions. And we remember said there that that's the idea of... Um, the, the idea of institutional religion that promotes a false gospel uh, that actually just serves the first beast. Well, he's called the, the, the false prophets here. Uh, and we're told that from them, verse, uh, these, these impure spirits, uh, they go out, they are, verse 14, demonic spirits that perform signs and they go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them for battle on the great day of the Lord. And so they've, they've, they've gathered from all the world for this great confrontation. In other words, it is the devil who ultimately gathers the powers of God together to rage against God and his anointed, to fight against him and his people. And they gather in a place called Armageddon. Uh, and well, so I'd encourage you strongly not to Google what that means because it won't help you. Um, it simply means uh, the Mount of Medigo. The Mount of Medigo. It's a, it's a hill, uh, a small hill in the, the Jezreel Valley, uh, a town called Medigo. And um, uh, Helen and I uh, visited there. We kind of went down the tunnel that's there. It was, it, it's, it's a remarkably ordinary place uh, if you were to visit it. But down through the centuries, there have been a number of really important battles that have taken place because of the town's strategic location. Uh, there in Revel- here in Revelation 16, Megiddo, well, it represents the place of this last battle between God and his enemies. And whilst, of course, there are many people who expect there to be a literal battle there, before Jesus returns, which I imagine doesn't do wonders for your average house price in the town. Um, but um, as we'll see in the, in the next chapters, this is a spiritual confrontation, not geographical. Okay? It's, it, yeah, you, there's no point booking deck chairs on, on, on a hill nearby so you've got a good view of the battle when it comes, uh, as some have done. No, uh, this is a spiritual battle being fought between God and his enemy, Satan, uh, and, uh, and the point is, is that that battle won't go on forever. With Armageddon, the end will come on the great day of the Lord. Except, do you notice when you read it, you know, uh, much has been said about this great battle of Armageddon, but it's actually not a battle. <laughs> there's, there's, there's no fighting. It's quite an anticlimax. Kind of all these people kind of gather, and then it's kind of like, well, what happens? We see that the battle's already been decisively won, hasn't it? By the Lamb slain. He's announced his victory. Uh, and chapters 17 to 20, we're going to look at in a couple of weeks. Uh, well, uh, we'll see how the, the, the battle unfolds, what actually happens in this great confrontation uh, as we see the destruction of the devil, of the beast, and the false prophet, and all who follow 
them because the seventh bowl is coming, verse 17. The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air and and out of the temple came a loud voice from the throne saying, it is done. And of course, those words are to remind us of the words Jesus say on the cross. You know, as he completes the work of salvation and, and this victory over sin and evil, he cries out, it is finished. It's accomplished. Uh, which means because Jesus had dies on the cross, because he has accomplished it, so the angel's voice from the throne of heaven can announce it is done. God's judgment is complete. And the world in rebellion against God, represented by the city and by uh, great Babylon the Great, that's in verse uh, 19, they'll collapse and they'll fall apart and creation itself is destroyed. That's not the end. No, it's, it's going somewhere. Uh, we're still waiting to get there in Revelation. It, it's going, uh, Revelation uh, is, is pointing us to that glorious work which God is doing. Our salvation will come through judgment to his perfect new creation. Uh, well, more of that when we get to chapter 17 to 20. So the question then comes, well, what are we to do in the light of all of this? Well, wonderfully, Revelation doesn't leave us wondering. Again, as we've seen before, it tells us what we're to do. Verse 15, we're told, Look, I come like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake and remains clothed so as not to go naked and be shamefully exposed. Now, of course, these are words of the Lord Jesus Christ, aren't they? He taught us that he may come at any moment. Therefore, we are to be alert, prepared, ready for his coming, to be awake. Now, see the warning here for us as Christians, firstly, the warning. The warning is that if we're asleep, if we're not ready, if we're kind of in our beds, in other words, if we're clinging to the things of this world, if we're living as though Jesus won't return, as though judgment is not a reality, then the clear implication of these words uh, is that we will be shamefully exposed in our spiritual nakedness. We'll be exposed as those who belong to this world because we're living for this world, and not as those who belong to Jesus. And whilst we should be concerned for our world and for society and for justice and order, we're not, as God's believers, to cling to this world. So, uh, uh, for example, 1 John uh, 2, John writes, verse 16, For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, comes not from the Father but from the world. The world and its desires pass away but whoever does the will of God lives forever. You see? And so easily it is we're taken in by the lies of the beast and the false prophet. And and with the lust of our eyes and the pride of life, we, we start living, don't we, longing for the things of this world, whatever they might be for us. The world's values, its cares, its troubles, they'll take root. And so we'll bestow on ourselves the right to be happy, secure, healthy, and comfortable And if any of those things are threatened, then we rail against God. 
Bob read out to Timothy, verse 2 Timothy 4 uh, earlier, um, a few verses later, you, you really feel Paul's pain. He, he describes his fellow worker, Demas, who's deserted him, and Paul says it's because he loved this world. He loved this world. Friends, this world is heading for destruction. It will pass away under the righteous judgment of God. But wonderfully, that's not all there is to say. Because God is bringing his people uh, through judgment to a nude world, uh, we live between those two cries of, uh, of Jesus, it is done and the cry, uh, sorry, it is finished and it is done between the cross and his final return and his completed judgment. Because we live in that place, because we look back to the cross as we look forward to his return, we have confidence, we have hope, and we have security and reassurance, not in the things of this world, but in him. As Jesus remembers, he, 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 he dies on the cross, yes, finished, all the debt is paid, justice divine is satisfied, says the hymn writer, we'll sing it in a moment. Uh, we know that Jesus has won for us that victory. Uh, the price is paid for our sin. Uh, the, the wrath of God deserved for us is borne by him, the lamb who was slain. And so we can know with justice uh, and joy and confidence that judgment will come. But because it fell on Jesus on the cross for my sin, then it will not fall on me. I need not fear. In Christ, I stand forgiven, free, and I know where my future lies. I'm safe in the hands of my Savior. Yes, God is in control. He's in control of all things. He's going to bring everything together in Christ. That's where revelation is heading to the new creation where peace and justice will reign. There'll be no suffering, no evil, no pain, no death. And so we're to hold fast to that promise. Verse 15, blessed, blessed is the one who stays awake. Keep that hope before you, living for Jesus. And yes, there will be suffering in this world, and there'll be signs of God's judgment on a sinful and evil world. And, and for John and for the readers in his day, when the Roman Empire kind of threatened them with death for refusing to worship their image, that is the image of the, the Roman emperor, they, they stand with a choice, didn't they? Either I go the way of the world, I keep my head down, I try to fit in, not create a fuss, or I see the beast that stands behind that image. The one revelation tells me will be destroyed. And John urges, John urges us in our day to keep the same perspective. Keep awake, brothers, sisters. Keep awake. Stay faithful, urges John to the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember what will last forever. And what will soon pass away? You may be here. You're here today, and you're, you're maybe thinking, I, I, you know, I, I maybe know you not know of things about the Christianity. But my, my my question for you today is this: Have have you come to the cross of Jesus and found forgiveness for your sin there? Have you have you done that? 
Chapter 6 is sad. It's full of stubbornness of people who will not repent. And that is a sober warning to you if that is you today. It is a sober warning. Because on the day of judgment, you do not want to be found culpable for your rejection of Jesus. Rather, you want to be found in him, secure. Oh, what blessing there is to be in him. What joy and what hope there is. So uh, this week, whatever your battle lies, I, I don't know what that will be. Keep faithful, keep awake, keep your spiritual clothes on, keep trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. He will return. He will bring about his justice. And for that, we can look forward to come, Lord Jesus. Uh, 2 Thessalonians 1, Paul encourages us. He says, therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials you're enduring. All this is evidence that God's judgment is right. And as a result, you'll be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you're suffering. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you. Keep awake. Keep going. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, this glorious promise. We pray that we would take it to heart that blessed is the one who stays awake. We pray that we would be those ready and waiting for the Lord Jesus when he comes. And Father, when he comes to bring justice and peace, uh, we pray, Heavenly Father, that we would delight in that. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that as we look forward to that day, that, that none, none here, none in our communities will be found shamefully exposed. We pray, Father, that you would be merciful and draw people to yourself, that through repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus, they might find forgiveness and peace with you. For we ask this in your name. Amen.